Today's guest is Nell Archer. Nell was a critical care nurse for 30 years, and she's had seven near-death experiences with each one, and with each one, she has experienced deeper levels of consciousness. Nell, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate you, and welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Jess. Jeff, it's great to be here. All right. So um, you have had a lot of near-death experiences. That means we've got a lot of ground to cover. So let's get right into it. And I guess we can start with your first one. Yeah, so it's interesting because when I've heard stories of other people's NDEs, uh, often they go through uh, levels. And it seemed with me that NDE was a different level. So it's over seven, seven stages. So the first one, um, I was about... 19 and it was a drowning and I got pulled into a rip my boyfriend was about six foot four and I'm five foot two and we we used to swim very regularly in in Australia in the beach and got pulled out and uh, I was drowning I was going underwater and I couldn't breathe and he got pulled out much further than me because he was much bigger and um, I was very had a very strong Christian faith then so um, apart from trying to breathe, I went underwater and finally just prayed and said, I'm, I'm coming to you, God. And then I went black, completely black. Now, I have no memory of that time until I got taken out onto the beach and I couldn't swim. I didn't know how to swim. I could do maybe a bit of dog paddle. And in that time, I came up from the water went, swam out further into the rip and got my boyfriend, swam back with him back against the rip into the beach and I came to as people were helping me out of the water and I was still swimming. Hmm. So that was, um, there was no memory of that at all, which um, from some of the reports that I've heard and also working in ICU, uh, that's sometimes the first part of the NDE. The second NDE was um, post having a baby and I I did code and um, that's when I came out of my body. It was a very, very quick arrest and I was came out of my body and floated on the top of the ceiling and watched the whole recess. And um, <clears throat> that was when I didn't quite understand I was dead. It was very quick and I was very confused and I just remember going, what are they talking about, recess? I'm still here. I never in any of my NDEs experienced a tunnel. I just stretched out the top of my head and I was floating and kind of in the corner of the room watching. So uh, afterwards I could tell them everything they did and said and I was still very sick when I came back and uh, was in intensive care for a while and had a few people coming and interviewing me and studying me. But I have to admit that experience was quite shocking and I didn't have the deeper sense of um, spiritual uh, connection with that. I was just out of my body watching and it, I was very shocked and watched um, the recess. I don't know how long the recess was, maybe 20 minutes, and then um, I came through. So obviously I was having oxygen and things through that time, so I wasn't completely deoxygenated. Um the third one was a mixture of pneumonia and a reaction to an antibiotic uh, that put me into a cardiac arrhythmia. And I actually um, lost consciousness at home and um, I came out of my body and I was 
I met my mother who's passed. She passed when I was in my 20s. And she took me and it was almost like we were in a car, uh, but there was no car. We were side by side going along and uh, I could see my life either side and I could see people and I had an awareness that I could just think and be near them. Um, and then eventually we got to a place where uh, there was her, an horizon and um, my mum, who was, it was very loving and she was like, it's so lovely that you're here and she was um, very happy for me. There was no fear or anything in that experience and I was aware that I was I was in this place between life and death and she said, okay, so the final decision, we've had a look around, you just got to push your attention and go over the horizon and then you, you, can, you don't come back. And I was about to go, okay, let's go, Mum. And then I looked, I looked to my right and I saw the path of my life that if I came back, I would live. And it was very tumultuous and up and down and like a big roller coaster. But kind of at the last second I said, you know, Mum, I might go back and do the roller coaster. And she said, okay, that's okay. You can come back later. Um, so I went and and turned right and then I, I came back and then um, an ambulance was there and uh, I had a uh, treatment for my arrhythmia. Uh, the next three of my NDEs were um, I have a very severe form of celiac disease and if I eat a significant amount of gluten, like a sandwich or a hamburger by accident, um, I go into a neurogenic shock. So my blood pressure drops very low and I get such incredible pain that the pain actually can kill me. So my body goes into shock from the pain and it's very difficult for them to get my blood pressure to come back up. So um, I had three of those and um it, I I would I just took off, so I didn't even stay anywhere near Earth with those. I just went right out um, into what I felt were very high dimensions. In those experiences, I had um, the experience of um, unconditional love, of universal connectedness, that everything was me, um, even everything I was really resistant to in this life I felt affiliated with I could even understand negative things as being part of the perfection um I understood pain was not really pain it was just an experience of our body wanting to survive um and so from those experiences um I can now uh, judge pain and suffering very differently uh, I still have my instinctual reactions but if I have those celiac exposures now I can about 70% of the time just focus right in on the pain and just understand that it's just a sensation the same as being tickled so now I don't have that same going to the same neurogenic shock and I can do that um, with other things in my life as well uh, so I did also have um, and it's a bit hard to say, like experiences of other beings. And um, the other thing I had was, and this was probably the first one with the celiac one, was I, I sat um, almost like a floaty air movie theatre and uh, watched the movie of my life. It was like um, 
It was like I was sitting in space and could watch the movie of my life in front of me. And then I actually watched my past life movies. So um, I saw that I had three lives before this one on earth and I watched those as well. And then I was made aware that I wasn't originally from this planet. My original planet was somewhere else and I was connected with my family. This make me cry. Um, I was connected with my family there. So um, <clears throat> that made a lot of sense with my childhood because in my childhood I just always remember thinking I was with the wrong family and I was the wrong colour and uh and I had a lot of very strong intuitive abilities as a child. So um, it was incredibly comforting for me to know that um, I was reconnected with that family. And then every time I did um, have an ND after that, I would reconnect with them as well. Uh, and uh, the last one was uh, had very bad post-operative sepsis. And they couldn't um, find the infections. So I was very sick for about a year. I had 50 courses of IV antibiotics for a year and um, I was in a very, very septic state. So it was very unusual, that one, because it wasn't like a, a sudden death experience. I was, for most of that year, uh, especially over three weeks mostly, I was in and out of a physical um, perspective so for a lot of the time I was so sick I couldn't move or anything and I was just out. So I think if I hadn't have had the NDEs before, I probably wouldn't have had. But I, for me, I feel that is an NDE because I was in that space and with my um, extraterrestrial family and with guides and in that space of universal consciousness and then came back in when I um, got well. So, um, yeah, they... That's kind of the overall of it. Okay. Yeah. You've had an amazing life, and thank you for sharing that with me. And I'm ready to dive into these. So have you ever gone back and have any hypnosis to see how you did all the swimming, even though you couldn't swim? Yeah, I haven't. I've had, um, I've had some hypno about my past life, past lives to get more information on those or to see if the same things came up under hypnosis. Uh, um, but I haven't really spoken about this very much. I've, I've spoken about spirituality, but I have never spoken, I've never talked to anyone about the first incidents um, or really put that up. You know, I think life is so fast and uh, one of the things that the near-death experience page on Facebook really helped me with is I felt, um, I felt very strange particularly after the last one, mm -hmm. very, very strange coming back because um, just so exquisitely sensitive and to that last one I feel like I was in the highest dimensions. This is where I felt uh, the last three with the celiac and the last one was where I felt um, a God consciousness that I had gone even beyond the separation of different planets and different past lives and even beyond um, the other beings in the galaxy. I, I went beyond that to a place where there only was a God consciousness. And I, I'm very reluctant to even use that word God because we have such an idea. Like if I said to someone else, I, I experienced God, they might think of an old man with a beard or they might think of, 
you know, a um, you know, a very draconian master or someone who tells us we're good or bad or naughty or something. And it wasn't like that. For me, in that experience, I, I called it God in that experience. But probably if I was speaking to people, I would call it source. But for me, I felt that it was God. And um, that was, that. as I said, it was beyond even the separation. So as I went higher, there was less and less separation between me and everything. And um, it was very difficult to come from that perspective and live a life with such um, coarse and abrupt ego and survival needs. And even experiencing having a body, I still really struggle with that, having to eat and having to sleep and do very linear things um, is a real struggle for me. Um, so I had to have, I moved to the country after that for about a year and just um, had to be right away from people because I really struggled. I just had to listen to a lot of music and I could only speak to people that kind of understood. But that Facebook page was extremely helpful because there is a lot of people that speak about this sense of being very difficult coming back and that, that um the PTSD that goes with the near-death experience. And the PTSD is not from the dying. The PTSD is from the coming back. <laughs> mm, yeah, that makes sense. And I think you're the only person or the first person that's ever said that. And I've interviewed probably at least 100 people. I know I've done, done over 100 people, but they've never actually vocalized it, that the PTSD is from coming back. Not even from the actual trauma of the of the whatever caused you to die. It's coming back. It's so traumatic. One thing that I I really found fascinating what you said. Pain is your body's way of trying to stay alive, or something. Can you tell me more about that? Yes, yeah, so that's something that is has really stayed for me in my everyday life, and it doesn't mean that I don't suffer. I still I still have instincts. I still. Um, you know, my body still has a craving to breathe and want to live and survive. Uh, but when I concentrate, I can um, distinguish those two parts of myself. And there's a part that is my physical form that's um, got those instinctual parts in my brain that makes me want to run away from a tiger or pull my hand off a hot plate and not be burnt. Uh, and then I'm aware of this other part of myself that is much more me and much bigger and much that just doesn't feel like it will ever end. It doesn't feel like I can even reach the end of it. And that was very much an experience there in those last, the last four NDEs. So um, if, if I am getting any suffering, which I will still have, I, I don't go through life without suffering. Mm -hmm. um, I can um, emotionally or physically, I can just focus into a space of going, oh, that's just my body making a lot of noise in my brain to tell me that it's suffering for me to resist that experience. And I can see that it's programming for resistance of that experience is based purely on survival. So even things like, um, uh, you know, obviously physical pain, but even things like emotional pain, like rejection with someone or um, so uh, for me, I'm very committedly single because I, I 
this experience is so deep for me, the Andes are so deep for me that it would be very difficult, I feel, even to connect with someone because my perspective is so different from so many people. But I don't have those same drives of I have to have a partner or I have to um, achieve a certain amount of ego or, or things like that. I can just see those as my instinctual brain that is craving for physical survival and procreation and all those things that our instincts, our animal brain craves for. So I can separate those. And on some level that is also a problem for me because it drops my ambition. If I um, didn't have those, I would probably be much more ambitious and take a lot more opportunities. But I'm like, well, do I really want to do those? What does that give me in my life as an experience? Mm -hmm. And if it's not something that I value as an experience, then I'm not going to get it. So my values have been very affected by that sense of suffering isn't really real. It's mm -hmm. just a program for our body to remain alive longer and remain healthier and, yeah, yeah which is you, a good thing. Yeah, I think you have an amazing perspective. I'm sure that some people will say, oh, seven NDEs. Wow, that's a lot. You know what I mean? And think kind of weird about that. But do you think that even maybe your first or your second one did something to you spiritually, uh, consciously or something that made it easier for you to pop out? Or have you discovered that along the way? Uh, look, I think I was always a very creative kid. I was a um, an artist, was a child prodigy in art, and uh, so I'm what I would call a very crown person. You know, I, I like many creatives. I collect, connect to, I write, and I connect to the collective. Probably, uh, like many creative people do. You know, if you look at um, you know, things like J.K. Rowling, she'll, she'll talk about how it just dropped into her head or uh, Tolkien talks about how he didn't know what was happening when he was writing. He couldn't wait to write the next chapter so he knew what was coming. So um, I think a lot of us have that that ability to connect into the collective and I probably had that. Um, but it definitely, it definitely did. So um, because the last ones, I, I literally just popped out. I, it wasn't even like... Um, oh, I'm going now and there's earth and I can, the, maybe the first, maybe the three, the three with the celiac, I do get a bit confused because they were very similar, but maybe the first one with that I had a sense of, okay, I'm out. I don't want to hang around here. I'm going further. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, the thing with, you know, I, I noticed a lot of questions on that NDE Facebook page where people ask things from a very three-dimensional perspective, which is very hard to answer. So they go, why do we wear clothes or why do we look like this or um, things like that? And, and it's, it's not three-dimensional. It's, like it's like I was a stream and I could be in any part of that stream just with a thought. So even if I thought I want to see what my brother's doing, before I'd even finished the thought, I was there. It, mm -hmm. it was faster than light speed it was and um, whereas here we've got to go I want to walk over that side of the room and we've got to put a whole lot of things and and get and do that so I it was kind of when I was in that non-physical space I had to get used to that because even if you had an idea 
you didn't have time to go, is that a good idea or a bad idea or do I really want to do that? I, I would just be there. So mm-hmm. um, that was, it was kind of really shocking in some ways, like, wow, I'm just here. And uh, people asked me things like, um, when I came back, did I forgive was did I have a different perspective on forgiveness or could I forgive people who'd done, you know, things to me that I didn't like? And I said I didn't need to forgive because in that space I completely understood their perspective. And even though we've all had people do things that are really awful to us, I was so understanding of where they were coming from, um, I could I didn't need to forgive them. I just understood that all the things that had happened in their lives and their, the thoughts that they had in their head, which may not have been right or wrong, but they that's why they took that action. And it's very hard for me to say now, but even in that perspective, I could even understood understand terrible, terrible atrocities like Adolf Hitler and terrible things because I could see this awful trauma and things that had come to bringing those the world wars and things into fruition. So, of course, that's not something I condone or would go, yeah, that's great, he did that, but I had an understanding of all the precursors that came to those things happening, even things like um, as an intensive care nurse I was really judgmental about smoking because I looked after so many patients who would get very sick, you know, even getting the flu because they smoked and and things like that. But in my NDEs, I could see a big ashtray of cigarette butts and it just, it looked the same value as diamonds. It looked the same value as, as everything. Everything felt like it was precious and every experience was precious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now you were mentioning about the way people talk and their thoughts and stuff and I think that you probably understand that we all have a certain amount of chatter going on in our mind. Can you give me your perspective of all that, our own mental chatter, and maybe what you learned about that with your experiences? Oh, and, you know, people ask me if I do lots of meditation and things. One of the things I could see from um, being in that near-death state or the non-physical state, that higher perspective, was that we weren't meant to change who we are. We're meant to be exactly how we are. And um, I could see when I came back, everybody's trying to change and, and fix themselves and that all these uh, faults that we judge about ourselves were absolutely perfectly programmed for what we are meant to be. So um, rather than coming back and going, we've got to fix and we've got to self-help and we've got to, you know, be more like that person or, or squash ourselves into this kind of personality, it was more about finding how you, all your idiosyncrasies and everything fit into your specific purpose. So it was like I could see from that space that, like I said, the, the cigarette butts or the, or the good things and the bad things about us we're all like this tapestry of like trillions and trillions of, of beautiful threads. And this was shown to me as a uh, perspective. It was like all our lives were like th- threaded with these beautiful golden and silver threads and exactly every single tiny thread about us was perfect and if you pull one thread out, it would unravel. We were supposed to be as we are. So, for example, um 
for me, I'm a very uh, gentle, submissive person and people always were criticising me about not having boundaries or you need to have stronger boundaries with people and you've got to stand up for yourself and, you know, fight back and, and this type of thing. And so I was always beating myself up and every time anyone would even come close to breaching my boundaries, I'd really hate myself and beat myself up for not being tougher and in this kind of perspective that everyone was criticising me about. But from the near-death experience state, I could see that my lack of boundaries gave me the ability to be an artist. It gave me this ability to connect in to nature, to be able to feel the energy of trees and animals and other people, Um, my ability to be empathic in my nursing, to be able to care. So if I had very strong, rigid boundaries, all of those abilities I had would have been gone. And um, so that by trying to fight against myself, I was fighting against my true purpose and I felt uh, much more uh, um, easy with myself. And now when someone breaches my boundaries, I go, oh, that's those lovely boundary issues I've got. I, I don't hate it about myself. I'm like, okay. And then I can kind of put some boundaries up without feeling like I'm reacting or fighting against myself it's much easier. So that was something I could really see in people and it brings me a lot of distress when I see people really hating themselves or aspects of themselves, you know, and a lot of creative people have a lot of mental chatter and instead of going I hate that mental chatter or I hate that I can't ever get my brain still, it's like if you've got a really active circus soleil monkeys in your head, if your monkeys are doing trapeze and juggling and doing everything, find something awesome for them to do. Like, like if that's a quality that you have, very active brain, then find something super creative or something that those monkeys are going to love to put their attention to so that not just driving you crazy. If you're someone that, you know, really likes the strong leadership then put it into that I just feel like we're all meant to be so different and these beautiful parts of these threads that just create the whole of consciousness and we're absolutely perfect now even with all our faults and problems that we judge we're absolutely perfect right now for how we're meant to be and how we're supposed to be progressing. And that was very liberating for myself. But at the same time, it makes me very sad because so many people are at clash and at war and at trying to make a homogenous kind of society. And um, that, that does cause me grief on earth. Yeah. All right. When you were speaking about um, like JK Rawlings and, um, J.R. Tolkien, you mentioned that they tapped into the collective. What is the collective? I think the collective is all our thoughts, our consciousness. So, uh, you know, I, I, for me it just feels like we're all extend out, out of our crown, out of the top of our head. You know, children don't even say the word I until they're around three years old. They still laugh at peekaboo because they can't understand that you can see something different to them. You know, it looks to me like children are still coming in. And that was another awareness that I had. We don't just blob in and out of consciousness like an orange. We don't just conceive and we're here and then die and we're gone. We're we're in a kind of flow and we're never really all, all here. We're not, we're never really all here. We're, there's part of our consciousness here. And so 
we can all, all of us can tap into that higher dimensional place. We can all with an intention and with some practice and really with letting go of preconceived ideas or expectations. I think that's the biggest thing to be able to just open into that space. Um, yeah. I can't remember your question. Now, oh, uh, it's okay. I <laughs> was just, I was just wanting to know what the collective was and you mentioned it, that it's, do you feel like that, like at some dimension out there or everybody's consciousness is all become one together as one, one thing. And that's what they're tapping into. Well, I think everything is consciousness and the collective, I think goes to those infinite dimensions where, um, you know, where I got to that point where I experienced everything was this God consciousness or source consciousness, including me. Mm. And obviously we can't get there every day and it's quite difficult to be in that perspective every day, but we can get to the consciousness that's in the thoughts of who's alive at the moment or, you know, even reading a book, we were accessing someone else's consciousness. Yeah. And we're always going to have a little bit of our... You know, unless we're completely out of our brain and in that near state or in a very trance state, for example, a hypnotic state, we're still going to have our life judgments on that. Uh, but it, I think mostly about tapping into the collective consciousness, which is uh, communal thoughts and um, the higher you go, that would then extend beyond human race to um you know, even with in Earth, that would be connecting to the consciousness of plants and animals and um, the Earth and crystals and mountains and, um, you know, the, the indigenous Aborigines and the Native Americans would use, you know, they connected to the consciousness of, of the ground even um, and their ancestors. But even beyond that, into the consciousness of spirit guides and um, other beings and uh, higher higher consciousnesses and higher thoughts and then to that source consciousness. So I think it's extensive, but I think I think what creatives do is they connect into um, inventors and people that are just not in a very stuck, resistant place, anyone that's open. They connect into a soup of thoughts, you know, and, and science has shown this where someone will invent something on one side of the world you know, in ancient times and then there's been no communication and then suddenly someone invents it on the other side of the world or somebody breaks a world record in running and then suddenly five other people break that world record that's been there for a 100 years. So mm -hmm. I think we're all tapped in and we can all feel it. It's just we think it's all, we think it's all us. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying. One of my guests is an NDE researcher and she mentioned that approximately 50% of the people get divorced after their NDE. And you mentioned that, I believe you said something about you choose to be single or I'm not sure how you put it, but at what point in your life did you make that decision that you um, decided, okay, I don't really want to be in relationships anymore. Can you comment on that? And after which NDE that was? Yeah, it was probably, yeah, probably maybe after the second uh, celiac one. Um, and it wasn't like I made a decision. Like I said, it wasn't like a resistance. It wasn't like, oh, I, I hate 
partners and I never want to be with one. It was it was more an awareness that that wasn't a need for me. Mm. Um, you know, I grew up when I was young. I did modelling. My family were acting. I, I was very aware of being objectified as a as a sexual objective objectification. That was something that was a value to me and I would worry about what I looked like and, you know, uh, that from a point of view of attractiveness romantically, that was a very big part of my life. And um, it was more that that just that went away and it wasn't uh, this need to be validated by having a partner or validated by being attractive and drawing attention. That just went away. And, um, and then particularly, as I said, after the last one, um, I mean, I more and more grew more f- further away. Like even in when working in ICU, uh, we work one-on-one with a patient, but I would do a lot of the um, seclusion rooms where you're just in a isolation room and I worked night duty, so it's very quiet and very present. Um, I wasn't, uh, from, I was quite a social butterfly before that, so I'm not averse to people, but... Um, I struggle more with falsehood and I struggle more with I can see more easily when people aren't being themselves, when they're presenting a false image and when there's all the power plays and the ego plays and things like they, they, uh, that's difficult for me to experience. So I think with a partner, I mean, I think if somebody came along that had had a similar experience or similar perspective to me and understood that sense of sometimes you just really need some space from people and the world because it is it's so loud. It's like it's like ego is so loud now. It's almost like if you'd been on a pure fast and just eaten pure wholesome food out in out in the Amazon or something and then you came back and you're eating junk food you'd be able to taste all the the rubbish it's almost like I, I can't I can't handle any more of that today and I need some space and that's extremely difficult to explain and extremely difficult I think for someone to understand how difficult and strong that is and so that would make it um, I mean, a lot of people would just see that as being weak or oversensitive or, you know, just harden up. Um, but it's not something I particularly want to harden up to because, uh, again, it's a very it's very sacred, that, that connection, that understanding for me. And one of the reasons I haven't talked about my NDEs really very much is um, from a really experiential point of view is because they're so sacred and I feel... Um, one, they're difficult to explain, but also I feel very exposed speaking about them. I feel if people come in and make a lot of judgment about that, um, and I'm putting that out there, that it's difficult. Um, you know, going through your show, then that, that goes to you, that judgment. I'm not so exposed to it. But if I sat down and spoke to a group of people and they went, well, you know, how do you know it was God? And da-da-da-da-da, and it's, mm. it's like... I, I would, it's so sacred. It's like trying to say, look at my baby. My baby is beautiful. And someone go, well, they're not really beautiful. They're a bit ugly. And it would, it would be like that. It would be like someone saying your child wasn't worthwhile. Mm. It, it's very sacred, very yeah. difficult to speak to. I understand that. And um, I, I really appreciate you sharing with me. 
And I figure also maybe you've been into dimensions, spaces, realities that are so calming, so beautiful, and and being in here is like being back with all the noise. That's kind of what I'm what the way I'm interpreting what you're saying. You just gotta get away from all the noise at some point. All right. Um, I am really fascinated about hearing about your real family because I really like um, some of my NDE people. Um, you're not the first that will say that they've met aliens or non-human intelligences or other beings. And even some people in the UFO community are now saying that aliens are traveling here interdimensionally and it's, and you're connecting with these beings interdimensionally. We have a family here on this planet or we wouldn't be born right but what makes your other family your family is it because you had been there before or do you think that you were conceived from those people so um they they feel like my real family and this this earth experience feels like a bit of an expedition hmm. so it feels like the my alien self if you want to call it that um is been for millennia and millennia, just thousands and thousands and thousands of years. So, um, and then I've come here, you know, this is only my fourth earth life and uh, this is a bit of an expedition. So it'd be like if I said to you, Jeff, do you want to go out and live in the forest for three months or six months and we'll try and help the cannibals stop eating each other? Let's go and do that. And you and I are pretty curious people so we'd probably go yeah that'd be great mm -hmm. we'll live in the forest we'll eat natural things and it'll be a lovely experience and then you get there and you're like you know you met bob and then you're eating bob's leg the next day for lunch and you're like i really don't like this this is really not me this mm -hmm. is not where i come from and it's not my values and this is very harsh mm -hmm. so it it that's what the perspective of the, that that I came here. I'm very, I think I'm a very curious soul and I like experience. I think that's why that NDE with my mum, I was about to cross and um, to the point of no return. And I was like, yeah, it looks really chaotic and really, really exciting and lots of ups and downs and challenges. But yeah, I, that would be fun. So I think um, this has been a very short time, even though it's four lives may have only been 50 years or whatever for each life. So it's still only a couple of hundred years compared to millennia from where I were before. So I was very aware that this was a bit of an expedition and um, I was made aware of, of other uh, alien beings as well. So I went back to my planet and when I had those NDEs, uh, especially with the celiac ones where I would know I'm going to go, very likely be gone because the pain would be going up. I'd be like, full, like obviously a lot of distress before I go, but then as soon as I've blanked out, I'm I'm off. I was mm -hmm. off back home with my family and I think probably that's some of the reason I had them really because um, there was always that sense of just missing. Uh, my family have all passed, some of my children, so... Um, but even before that, there was just this sense of feeling missing something. So mm -hmm. I was aware, you know, and there's a lot of things like when I was a kid, I was like, 
I, I used to say to my mom, I want the food that's unearthly. I want the drink that's unearthly. I used to call it the unearthly and I couldn't find it and I couldn't find my family. These are things I actively said to her. So mm-hmm. it was very comforting um, and, I, you know, I have a strong awareness that I miss them when I'm in a very this very awake human body state that I miss them so I got emotional before but I also have the absolute knowing that they're there and this is a very short lifespan compared to um, the universal consciousness so right did did you get any from any of your trips there did you get any indication of what your point of coming here is so my point was to help um, consciousness grow and that was a very very clear mandate for me I even had and again like I know this will maybe hit with a lot of criticism because it sounds a bit crazy I remember I've got a science background mm. um, I had strong awareness that before I had become a human part of my job as that alien was to come and watch earth evolve mm. so I had very clear memories of, of being in a spaceship um, watching civilization. One of the times I was super excited was when I saw, and the aliens were super excited, was when human beings stopped um, having power control over their muscle but started using their intellect. So when I first started seeing human beings evolve into civilizations where leadership was through intel- intelligence, not through who had the biggest muscle and brawn and could fight, and we were very excited by this as, as aliens. We were like, and that's when I was watching. And I could see through three dimensions, so I could see through walls and through things. So I was in a higher dimension. Um And obviously some of that I can't even conceive in my head from this perspective and I can can only fit those memories into what kind of works. But I had very clear, I have clearer memories of my alien planet, family, home, food, what I did than I do of my childhood here on Earth. (laughs) Do you um, feel like your alien family could be considered your soul group? Because some people will say that when they have their NDE, they meet their soul group. Yeah, yeah, I do. And it's interesting because my um, my eldest son, who's 25, um, he's, um, he's RH negative as well. I'm RH negative as well. I know a lot of the people talk about the star seeds being RH negative. And, but he uh, was very on the spectrum. He's a very Asperger's and on the spectrum, very musically gifted. But uh, he, he was within that soul group. I could see that he was one of them as well. So um, we share a lot of, he's very creative as well, and we share a lot of um, personality traits. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely, I would call that my soul group, absolutely. And, look, I do think they're in my consciousness, but... You know, it's obviously much harder to know they're there and um, takes a certain level of faith. I do, um, you know, I can get into meditation and kind of chat with them on some level and it's just like thought dropping into my head. It's not like voices or anything. It'll be like da-da-da-da and it'll just be almost like an idea or a thought comes in. And, again, the answer will come in quicker than I've asked the question. So Mm -hmm. before I've even finished answering it it will come in um but you know when we're in this very 
scientific three-dimensional world it's you know I can't prove that to myself and I can't I can't hold them and I can't see their faces um I, I do draw them sometimes uh which which really comforts me as well mm. yeah can you give us any description of what the planet looks like what those beings look like spaceships anything like that yeah so I saw quite a lot of different star seeds and mine uh, was in the constellation of Arcturus. So um, they, the planet was had a lot of water. That the, there was two stars, suns in the sky. One was bright and one wasn't. And the sky was purple. And as a child, I always believed the sky should be purple. <laughs> and I was really excited when I found out when I did my science that our sky is actually purple. But because we don't have the, we can't see the ultraviolets with our human eyes it looks blue Mm. so my my recognition of my planet the sky was purple um in a lot of water you could breathe underwater um could swim underwater uh was very clear um there wasn't a lot of structures but there was some and they were very simple we didn't have to eat but there was some food that grew that just tasted amazing the closest thing I could describe it as is cheesecake it tasted like Mm. cheesecake and um uh, I was also made aware of the Palladians and um the the spaceships that the Acturians or my people I don't think they're Acturians they're in the constellation of Acturius but they're probably what people call Acturians um that that my spaceship was very small like a little car but it was clear so I could see everywhere and for me to get somewhere I had a big third eye but it was longitudinal it wasn't this way it was that way a very big forehead and for me to get back home I would open my third eye and my wife I I'm a I was a man in that in that state, um, she would open hers and there would be a connection and I would be back home. I would just be back home. So mm. that doesn't make sense in my head. Um, that's what I remember. Uh, whereas the Palladians had much bigger ships and um, you couldn't see through them. Um, I was also aware of, uh, I, wa- I'm not a, I wasn't made aware of any aliens living under the earth or under mountains. I know I've read, read some of that and I, that's not something I'm aware of. And when I've gone in and asked, I'm getting that's not there. So I don't know that might just not have been shown to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I was aware that, you know, we, choose, we have characteristics are creative and very spiritual. And I think the Palladians are real warriors. They kind of seem like the guardians of the galaxy type personality Mm -hmm. so yeah and I was aware of the kind of council the earth council which had all different size and beings and angels associated with them as well do you think aliens are visiting here and if so do you think we're ever going to join the galactic family and there's going to be some kind of disclosure or it's always going to be hidden from us I think we've got a lot of time to evolve to be aware of them. Uh, I think they can go and, and you know, I could in that time go on multiple dimensions. I think it's harder for those aliens to be in a third dimension. I think that's very, that's hard. I mean, 
I'm aware of how hard it is even in my physical human body. Um, so I think they can hold that for a little bit of time, but I don't think they can hold it for a lot of time. And I, I think the thing is there, there's, there's a lot of benevolence there for helping us evolve and helping Earth to come into compassion and come into love and come into this understanding of being connected and not um, in this state of survival-driven. Um, and I think as we move more and more into that compassion, and I think that's happening on Earth, I know that there's a lot of bad things but there is also enormous fighting, um, you know, for beautiful things. So I think, you know, with the news and everything, we see a lot of bad things, but if you look at the history of Earth, there's been a lot worse. So um, I think as we evolve, we our consciousness evolves and become more aware of love and compassion and harmony, I think our vibration lifts. And also as we're less resistant to opening to those higher dimensions, so um, just opening our spirituality and I think that's when we will aware of them and they're revealing to us so that we can open those perspectives. I mean, it, even scientifically, it's pretty crazy to think, you know, we are the only ones, even from a, um, even if you talk to a lot of scientists, you know, the quantum physicists and things, they would, they would say that with the sheer numbers of trillions and trillions of stars and things, there would have to be something something other than us yeah. yeah yeah i mean i agree with that but some of them still say that we're it that's it i don't get that but they just think that you know it's it's so rare for us to even be existing that, that it's still it but i like i said let me say this um you identify from being from another planet another family do you identify with being human at all or do you see yourself separate as from humans even though you have a human body? I feel, I feel very difficult identifying as human. And I know I've never said that before, Jeff, and it's, um, as I said, I'd be scared of getting judgment over saying that because it's not like I don't like humans or I don't like being human or, mm-hmm. you know, anything like that. I see very loving and love my children and this is a marvellous experience. Um, but as I said, ever since I was born, I felt a strangeness. Um, I even feel a strangeness with my body, even, um, you know, connecting to it. And, and I get I get very grumpy about having to feed it all the time and, and um, having to sleep so many hours and uh, having to look after the health. Obviously, I've had huge health issues since I was born. I was born with a cardiac defect. So my whole life I've had very severe health issues and um, it's kind of like I really feel like this human body is a car that I'm driving and um, I'm one of those people that needs to service their car a bit more but (laughs) I've got too many places to get to and too much to do and so it breaks down and then I have to fix it. I feel, you know, I feel a huge, an enormous love for humanity and I feel an enormous gratitude for this experience of being in the human perspective. I feel it's so exciting and I can, the other perspective I have is the incredible bravery of humans because from this higher perspective um, of, of the aliens and being that alien being and being in that high perspective, things are 
a lot easier in the understanding. You know, there's this there just isn't the resistance there with so many things. And here we've got to be so brave, you know, just to be born, just to get through the birthing and get through school and get through challenges. It's um, I just see human beings as in as real warriors, every single one of us. And, um, you know, I think there's a lot of star seeds here. I think there's a lot more coming. I think a lot of the young kids that are being born that are on the spectrum that struggle with clothes and struggle, you know, with tastes and really struggle to sit and do their schooling in a really strong linear way. Um, I think a lot of these kids are um, a star seeds. There's apparently more people alive today than who have ever lived and died in the history of the earth. So, mm. you know, if we, if what I was shown was reincarnation. We, we we need more. We haven't got enough of us to keep reincarnating. Right. And I think as more of us become aware of that alien connection, that's going to help. And then as we bring into compassion, we will be able to see them in their dimension. I, I don't think we have to have a spaceship in third dimension come here. And I don't think there's any point to that. Like what would be the point of the aliens doing that? They're here, here, here to help us to evolve. I mean, we know what would happen if a spaceship landed. There'd be guns and um, jails and fights and, um, you know, that there's not, there wouldn't be a point to it really. I don't know. I feel like if they would just fly around so it would be obvious for everybody and there would be no way that anybody could rebut it, I think humanity would just take a, a big leap because all of a sudden our whole paradigm of everything is going to change. But we, you know, we have so many, um, so many things that happen that do prove things, even science, you know, where they have disappearing electrons and disappearing protons and there's no, and they've shown that unless we observe something, it, it changes, you know, there's no. all those experiments that show through the, the single slot experiments and all that stuff. This stuff's already been proven, but we don't we don't take it on because we've got this this cognitive dissonance going on. Mm-hmm. You know, so many people have seen these things and it's a bit like that old story, you know, where the the boat came in and only the shaman could see the boat and none of the tribe could see the boat. You know that story? The big the big tall ship. There was a native tribe and it and they could see the way water but they couldn't literally he described it suddenly they could see it because science tells us that we create our vision we even um we can't actually get everything in our brain that we see so we we make it up in our head so we've got so much resistance to seeing things um how many people have seen ghosts but they wouldn't believe it or how many people have seen um phenomena happen but don't believe it. Even for myself, when that thing happened, the first NDE happened, I never spoke to anybody. It was like if I told them, you know, people saw it, but I I would have been embarrassed. I would have been, people would have made some kind of criticism to justify it in another way. And this is why we've got to wait for that to catch up because there'd be so much judgment because people, 
People are in the perspective of fear. The big thing that's got to change with human beings is shifting the perspective of fear. And the ultimate fear is dying. Mm. This is the ultimate fear. We're all trying to accumulate money and accumulate safety to prevent us from dying. And it's so ironic because the absolute guarantee guarantee the only guarantee any of us have is that we're going to die and so we've accumulated all this stuff and this status and <laughs> where where is it going to go mm-hmm. so i think we're we're very resistant because of our fear and if or we would have to create i mean there's been so many so many sightings and so, so much evidence and um, so much evidence of NDEs. You know, you've got people like Anita Mojani who had kilos of tumours that just disappeared in a week. And But we we don't want to hear it because then we might have to actually jump into that abyss of unknowing and that abyss of we have no control. And we, as human beings, we love having control over everything. And if there's aliens... We don't have control over that. We don't have control over life after death. So we're always trying to justify things in our heads. I don't think we're ready, really. Hmm. Maybe. Some of us are. Yeah. So um, I would like to know more about your experience with God and if you could tell us more about God and, and maybe give us your point of view on God. Okay. So I had an awareness of going up through the dimensions, uh, up through the fifth dimension, uh, right all the way up through the 10th, 11th, and I had an awareness of the 13th dimension. And at that dimension, I, I felt a very strong presence that I would have to label as God. As I said, I could call it source as well. Um, and it was, um, if I had to put it through a third dimension, it was like coming to a... Um, a big tunnel maybe but not a not a tunnel like a big space um, but coming up to it in intense focus so it was like in the fifth dimension seventh those ones I was aware of everything I was aware it was like I could feel so much stuff like like everything, all the beings, all the angels, all what was happening on earth, what everyone was thinking, all that stuff. And then coming to that very high place, it was like that all went away and I just came to this presence of absolute, um, it's very hard to even give it a word like love because even uh, our idea of love, even our word love has so many connotations which is it is not in that state. Um, probably the biggest word I would have to say is presence, 100% absolute total presence. And that's not just like focusing on my finger. It's like every single cell of thought, not that I had cells, was totally present with everything in the cosmos, everything in existence, all at once. And it felt so devoid of any resistance that it was completely loving. So one of the other perspectives I had was what we call love on earth was extremely different to what my experience of love in a near-death state was. My experience of looking down on people loving on earth was that we love very, very conditionally. 
and uh, we love one another very judgmentally and very conditionally and it's very much what we get really from one another and again I might get a lot of judgment from that but that was my perspective even with our own children and I I like most of us I would do anything for my kids, die a hundred times for them. You know, I love them so much, but I could still see that they were like an extension of our ego. We still had judgment over who they were, what they did, how they behaved. Um, you know, if our kids went to jail or become junkies or, you know, whatever, I, we would have judgment over that. So I could still see, and that was because we extended our identity into other people. So we wanted to have control over that. But love in out of that physical perspective was totally devoid of any of that extension of our ego, any of that judgment or what I call resistance. I just call it a resistance. It was like we're all walking around going, I don't want that experience. I don't want to think that. I don't want to think that. And that God experience was I was everything there was only me. I, me and God were the same. And it was at that point where that was merging and um, absolute joy and the most awake sense. You know, people think death is nothingness. It's, it's so awake beyond you could ever experience being awake and so present and clear. So that's, Another one of the things that's difficult with coming back is that it's like being drunk. I don't drink. I, I that's I, I don't. That's just something I don't like doing. But it's what I can feel would be like being drunk here. That is so foggy and so unclear, and it's so difficult to get focus compared to there. It's so clear, so absolute clarity, unconditional love in a way that we can't even understand on earth. You know, the closest thing would probably be, you know, our partner or our child, um, you know, or fur baby, a lot of us, but it's still beyond that where you, you're you such a presence of love that you are everything. I am the cigarette butt. I am, I am the poop, your dog poop on the oval. I am the sun. I, I am the other people, I, just everything. So it's difficult to put words in love, joy, presence, and completely devoid of any resistance and everything at once. Mm. Me, everything at once, and everything. Mm. No, I think that's very, very fascinating. When you are in those dimensions, realities, does all the mental chatter go away? Uh, the chatter does. Like you've got um, a lot going on, but it's not um, – it's not chatter. It's very clear. Yeah. So, yeah, there's, there's, um, yeah, you don't have the chatter. You, you've got a lot of consciousness and a lot of thoughts and a lot of experiences and they're happening at once, which if we would think now we, our brains would explode, but there's none of the distractibility or the putting down. It's, it's just, it's like a, just an opening of layers of, revelation and another revelation another revelation it's just an opening of levels of clarity so very clear and look probably um one of the ways i the closest experience in my living physical life that i could put it to was um 
the birth of my children. So if I could think of, uh, especially my first baby, it was very difficult and sort of nearly died, but there was um, very long labour and all that type of thing. But when I held him and looked down into his eyes and everything seemed to make sense for me, you know, like I looked at my child, all the labour, all the problems, all the world, everything, just connecting for that moment it was like the world made sense and there was this pure joy and pure presence and and happiness. That's the closest thing in this life that I could um, get it to um, and that, of course, would be just a moment and then you're worried about feeding and, you know, making your way in the world and that type of thing. But, yeah, if you can think of a time in your life where you're just absolutely, yes, this moment the good, the bad, the ugly, the brilliant, the excitement, everything is perfect. If you can think of that, that would be the closest to what it feels like. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm, Interesting. You mentioned in the beginning that you were religious. Where are you now on religion? Uh, So I do believe in a God, very probably very different to what a lot of people would judge God. Uh, I do pray. Um, I do believe the Bible is a very sacred document and uh, written from a prophetic point of view. I think we've interpreted it very strangely, even the translations, and, of course, we put our judgment onto that. I believe that also, um, you know, the Hindu faith, the Buddhist faith, all of these things, I, I think if you look at any faith, and I'm not an expert, but if you look at any, they all come to the same point. Um, I do believe that Jesus is um, a higher being that has incredible compassion to earth and that he has given us a way to understand compassion and to uh, release ourselves from this understanding of sin. So in that way of saying, you know, forgive me and you take my sins, there's a way of us to stop coming into this self-judgment. I think the biggest thing that, you know, I learned from that NDE was one of the big things was to stop being in this self-judgment because this is what creates all the evil in the world is we judge ourselves and we project that out onto others. So uh, I wouldn't call myself a Christian by a traditional point of view, but I definitely do believe Jesus was here. I do believe there's a lot of wisdom in the Bible. I believe that's been polluted and culturally um, misinterpreted. Um, I I believe the Hindu faith and Buddhist faith is incredibly accurate and and beautiful wisdom, so there's a lot of that that I would follow. Um, You know, the, the Indigenous Australians have beautiful wisdom about the earth and it all really sinks in. I believe that the Bible was written very prophetically and in symbolically. So one of the experiences in trying to describe NDEs is I have to describe it in symbols because there aren't words. It's like saying to a person that lives on flatland what up is or what round is. They, they wouldn't have a concept. A two-dimensional being wouldn't. You can't say where up is because there isn't an up. Um but I think they link together. I think even Adam and Eve links in with serpent, links into all, of, uh, which is the Aboriginal uh, faith. So I think they link in together. Uh, so I do pray. Um, 
I, I do have a picture of Jesus in my room, uh, which is an El Greco painting. Mm. Um, I very much follow Hindu and Buddhist philosophies, which are very linked in with kindness and compassion um, and presence, being present. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't go to church and um, I get very upset with the pollution of um trying to fit that into political systems and things like that. That's very difficult. Basically, look, anyone I think who is not um, coming from point of view of compassion and love ha- would have polluted um, some of those teachings, I think. Mm. All right. Do you have anything that you would like me to promote for you or you would like to promote? I don't think do you have a book or a website or anything. Or are you just here to share? Uh, yeah, I've got a website, just nilarcher.com. Mm-hmm. Um, I do... Um, I do do spirituality classes. So, um, you know, I run classes, um, like do animal communication, which is a really beautiful way to find presence because we're so motivated to connect to the animal. Uh, so we've got five horses out here and we do a lot of work with the horses with presence, uh, which just, I just love people just leave on such a high. So I run those and some different, classes and things some some online classes um so i really really enjoy the classes because i just see people just really open up and i I run intuition classes and just really coming in to believe their capabilities of connecting and feeling more and a greater experience of life so nellarcher.com is that website thank you great after seeing this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and, you know, ask you questions. Are you a public person or are you private in that way? Oh, yeah. I'm very happy to, to answer questions. Yeah. that's um, So they can email me through my website mm-hmm. or the or my page. Yeah. On, did you say on Facebook? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. You just kind of dropped out for a second. That's what I had to ask. All right. Well, before we wrap it up, do you have one last message that you can share with all of us? I I think the last message is just really embrace your life. And I know that sounds a bit trite, but from my perspective of why we're here, we're not we're not here to um, change or you know crave or get to something. It's it's every experience of every moment is incredibly powerful, and whatever it is, whether you're suffering, whether you're having a hard time, whether you're having a fabulous time, all of these things are so precious and such incredible perspectives. It looked very much to me like our soul is sitting there watching this as a movie. And this is what it was shown like in what I could watch my life back in the past lives. It was like I was just sitting there watching a movie. And if you can think, you know, what type of movies you like watching, you, we don't usually like watching boring movies where there's no challenge, where there's no fight for the main character to have to experience and discover other parts of themselves. So don't, don't resist the negatives in life. Like be connected and be present with all of it and know that you are built. You are built to have this experience. You are built to be able to cope with it. And even if you can't, even if you have a car crash and you go home, that's it's amazing. So, um, you know, just really be engaged. Be enjoy with everything you, you do. 
Well, thank you for that message. And we just didn't have enough time with you. So maybe I can get you back sometime if you're up for it, because I'm sure after I listen to this podcast, I'm going to be like, oh, why didn't I ask her this? Or why didn't I ask her this? You know, so I'm going to just throw that out there. And I just want to say thanks again. Thanks for sharing yourself and being open with us. And I really appreciate you. Thank you so much, Jeff. Thanks mm-hmm. so much for the time. All right. Thank you. And have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.